0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Welcome, everyone. I'm Vicki Vasiliga, Director of the Clinical Specialist and Scientist section here at ASHP. And thanks for tuning in for this COVID-19 special edition episode. As we all know, COVID-19 has presented many clinical, operational, and educational challenges in the past year. With that in mind, ASHP is sharing insights and lessons learned presented by your peers from the 2020 Mid-Year Clinical Meeting so you can incorporate these best practices into your own as we all do our part in caring for our patients. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration created a step-by-step guide to the eight dimensions of wellness. Every aspect of wellness can affect a person's life. Working toward all of them in one way or the other is a great goal because wellness relates directly to the quality of a person's life. Wellness, being healthy in many dimensions of our lives includes emotional, physical, occupational, intellectual, financial, social, environmental, and spiritual. They are interconnected and build on one another. Creating balance in our lives is an important part of this wellness journey. An overall balanced life can mean many things depending on culture, circumstance, resources, and certainly other factors. But balance means making sure we have time to do the things that make us feel happier and can lead to professional or personal fulfillment and contentment. As we are put in the water and set forth on this adventure, it is critical to have a plan in place to maintain your well-being and resiliency. The national statistics before COVID regarding healthy behavior practices, emotional stability, and work engagement was not glowing. 95% of us are not engaged with the top three to five healthy behaviors. 65% may be overweight or obese. 68% are not engaged at work. 80% of adults are not thriving emotionally. And as I had shared, one in 10 or one in 12 prior to COVID had a mental health disorder, with now one in three. My goal for the remainder of the presentation is to focus on your rafting plan, building opportunities, your prescription for wellness that focuses on the importance of daily routines, social connectedness, a practice of gratitude. And finding your why or your pandemic purpose. Cross-cutting to these is the practice of mindfulness, described by Jon Kabat-Zinn, who created the MBSR approach, which guides us in the importance of paying attention to our present moment experiences on purpose with an attitude of acceptance and non-judgment. So, how do we shift the paradigm, especially in the present circumstance? Some of you may be familiar with, but if not, I would encourage you to read The How of Happiness by Sonia Lubermirsky. She and her collaborator, Ken Sheldon, were given more than a million dollars by the NIH to study and find out what makes happy people happy and how to use this to raise the happiness of our general population. Her research tells us that the fountain of happiness can be found in how we behave, what we think, and what goals we set for ourselves every day. Essentially, there is no happiness without action. It may surprise you to know that our life circumstances do not significantly impact our happiness. 50% of our happiness is determined by our genetics set point, 10% life circumstance, We have the power to change 40% that comes from intentional activities that can promote our happiness in life. What her research tells us is that happier people nurture social relationships, have an attitude of gratitude, are the first to help others from compassion, practice optimism about the future, savor pleasures and live in the present moment make physical activity a habit, are committed to meaningful goals, and often are spiritual or religious. So this leads me to our first destination, the checking in raft number one, having a routine. It is important to balance having more scheduling freedom with challenges that come from working remote or shifts in your work. For those listening, this may be very relevant. Some may be in a hybrid of going to work and being remote. Others may be on the front line this entire time, but work hours have shifted in some way. Establishing consistent daily and weekly routines is a way for people to feel there is some certainty during a pandemic, especially with so many in isolation. It is important to create a workspace outside of our bedroom and approach the day similarly as if we're going into the office. Be more aware of the visual and auditory cues that help or hamper productivity for you. Does music help or hurt? Task lighting, help or not? Where is your desk positioned? Helpful or a distraction? How about smells? Does a candle or incense help or distract? Do you need white noise to drown out distractions in general? Take time the evening before your day to plan out two, but really no more than three main priorities for the day. Target them early in the workday if that is in fact when you are most productive. Some of us are more of a night owl with higher productivity late in the day or evening. Do you find ways to make your days consistent when you rise and when you sleep? Mark your calendar to stick with this and create space for what may help you start your day on the right foot. Maybe that's meditation, a mantra, or a short motivational read. Taking a break is also hugely important to reset and reboot our minds. Every 60 to 90 and at the most, at the most 120 minutes should be the time limit before you get up and take a break. Maybe a stretch, a mindful minute, A time to rehydrate. Lord knows most of us don't drink enough water. I'm just saying. Taking a 15-minute break in the morning and another in the afternoon with having a lunch away from your desk, please, can really help surge our dopamine levels and pleasure. Schedule time in your calendar to read emails and access your voicemails. Otherwise, you're entering a rabbit hole, a vortex that will just take you under the water keep buffer time in your day to handle unforeseen or unexpected interruptions or tasks that need to be completed similar to your work day wake up and go to bed at consistent times each day for me i rise at 5:25 a.m. monday through friday are you staying committed to previous exercise routines even when i was working entirely remote i still got up at the same time and did my CrossFit workout from home, and had my clothing out the night before. Can you build in time after work before transitioning home, even if no commute, to experience a personal oasis? Should you walk around the block to get out in nature, use other senses, meditate, pick up an instrument? You decide. Our British colleagues have coined a term called nomophobia, which I think is super accurate. Our fear of being away from our devices and cell phones. I realize those of you like myself who are administrators need to be connected for our employees, our peers, and it creates a challenge in how to perhaps address this issue. We have a tendency to rely on technology more consistently than our own sense of mental, emotional, and physiological state. And this has far reaching consequences. So I have several strategies I'd like to share with you, and I'm actually going to bring them all on the slide just to help you give time to read through these as I share them with you. So the first is our cell phones have the ability to provide the opportunity to send you a weekly notification of your screen time. This can help raise your self-awareness of how much time you, in fact, are spending on your device. It is truly a great starting point. We can also just turn them off and put them in a drawer and lock them away. Maybe you can start for 10 minutes and see if you can increase the time. Cut it off in the evening time around dinner, perhaps. Create a bounce-back message similar to when you're driving, when someone texts you and this response comes up. If your work hours end at 5 p.m., set an out-of-office response or text response to those emails and texts. Think of boredom as a gateway to feeding your mind. Our minds need boredom to do some of its most important work. So gaze out a window, take a quick lap around the house, stretch, and see the dividends on your mental clarity and productivity. Next is to do a brain dump. You can set a timer for 10 minutes and write down anything that comes to your mind. Free up space in the mind, declutter, which can also reboot our mental clarity and focus. Find new ways to self-soothe. Short bursts of exercise can really help. Maybe you want to color or just doodle. Remember, blue light suppresses our melatonin and can interfere with our REM sleep. So maybe consider using a real alarm clock. We can also consider a digital fast for a day. A mental health day with no devices. A weekend could be a great target to try this. Maybe begin on Saturday and expand it through the entire weekend. We should cultivate our physical senses. We have sound, sight, smell, taste, and touch. Maybe you wish to listen to some music. Take a silent walk. Go to a museum. Smell the flowers, essential oils, and fragrances. Go for a bold new taste and experiment. And pay attention as you touch to texture, and maybe this comes back to playing an instrument. Get outdoors, maybe camping, or a place with just no internet or Wi-Fi. Just get off the grid. Practice yoga, CrossFit, meditation. How about taking pictures with your mind? meaning your body, your sight, rather than with our phone and devices. The prefrontal cortex is where our ability to be calm occurs. Our devices stimulate almost every part of the brain but this part. So 10 minutes of mindfulness a day can double our grain matter in our brains in four months. Pretty astounding. Also, commit to one thing. Just play with your dog. Just cook dinner. No multitasking. Having no cell phones at the dinner, the actual FaceTime, or at a restaurant is also really important, and this means not necessarily having it face down on the table. The sheer presence can undermine enjoyment and make conversations with partners seem less empathetic. And then I think I have one more to show you as well. Yes, delete an app. Oh my goodness, did I say that? Yes, they can definitely be a time suck. So change maybe something going on on your cell phone, maybe that virtual game or something, and come back to more of a presence with it rather than something on our digital devices. So here's your first prescription. You have unlimited refills to adopt a new daily routine. Employ strategies to make your days consistent. Set those two to three priorities for your day and experiment with a few no mobile strategies to help find ways to savor the day's experiences. My second target for checking in your raft relates to social connectedness, which you may recall was the number one element impacting well being in terms of high performance and importance. Many healthcare professionals are losing that deep feeling of connection with patients, which is such an important part of our work. We are also losing those connections with colleagues, friends, family, our loved ones. Be creative in connecting with others. Maybe you wish to host a virtual game night. Work on a family puzzle. Perhaps challenge your family across the globe on who can finish a puzzle of similar sized pieces faster. This is, of course, great for anyone who loves competition. You can draw pictures on the sidewalk for others to see when they walk by. Leave notes for one another on the ends of driveways. I've seen people cheering in appreciation of healthcare workers and creating drive-by birthday parades. Are you celebrating and maintaining certain days for special dinners or other celebrations like anniversaries and graduations? People are drawn to collective rituals for this reason. We want to feel connected to other people and feel a sensation of sacredness. So each raft has a perimeter line. It is the line by rope or webbing, which passes through all of the D-rings along the outside perimeter of the raft. It creates a secure line for those who have fallen out of the raft. So my question to you is this. Do you have the right folks in your boat Do you have a circle of five? Your circle of five should consist of the following folks. First is the cheerleader. This is someone who is a reliable source of encouragement. They're on your side and help pick you up when you're feeling down. They're one of your biggest fans and you can always count on them. Next is the challenger. This is someone who isn't afraid to tell it like it is. They might be your polar opposite, which is great, because they give you new points of view and help you see your blind spots. Their advice might be uncomfortable at times, but you know it's coming from a place of care rather than criticism. Next is the comfort zone crusher. This is someone who gets you out of your comfort zone and encourages you to try new things. They're that friend that's always there to join you when you want to try something new, and they can help you break the ice when you're doing something out of this comfort zone. The motivator. This is someone who's probably way ahead of you. They inspire you because they show you what's possible when you do the work. And finally, the safe space friend. Someone you're 100% comfortable with and always are yourself. They make you laugh and remind you not to take yourself too seriously. And they're always there to listen. So my second prescription for you, also with unlimited refills, is regarding your social connections. Make time each week to plan a connection with those people who bring you happiness. Preserve those social activities that you enjoy the most. Try something new, perhaps, and remember the importance of that personal oasis time I already talked about. The next spot along the river as we check in our raft is an attitude of gratitude. Why can having a practice of gratitude make us happier? Because gratitude encourages positive emotions, raises self-worth and self-esteem, helps us to stop comparing ourselves to others, fosters savoring of positive experiences, helps us reduce feelings of anger, resentment, or greed, Helps us cope better with stress and traumatic events. And helps build new social bonds while strengthening our existing ones. Here are a few examples of some strategies to help promote a gratitude practice. You may opt to adopt a gratitude journal. Maybe sending letters or postcards to show your gratitude to others. Having a best possible selves diary which is a narrative practice that can help us lead to more optimism in life. Keeping a jar of gratitude or a jar that contains pennies. It really can help you address your negative thinking and identify barriers in our wants and goals. Unfortunately, 80% of the time, we tend to think negatively with only 20% positive. So our goal would be to flip that coin to more positive thoughts. And finally, a loving-kindness meditative practice to send positive vibes to others in the world, which obviously helps us show more compassion. The literature tells us even once a week of a gratitude practice can lead to happiness and contentment, as typically a higher frequency may be harder to stay committed more long-term. So here's another prescription. You guessed it, unlimited refills to find a gratitude-promoting method that can work for you. Perhaps in the morning, consider writing three good things you're looking forward to on the day. And if you opt for the eve, write down three good things that happened that day. Whatever you choose, try to make the things you identify unique from day to day or week to week every time you engage in this practice. The final spot for checking in our raft is establishing a pandemic purpose. And this work comes from Dr. Christine Whalen. Developing a pandemic purpose can be an exercise that can be done daily or weekly to set your intention and foster a more positive mindset. Seek to answer the following questions as you see this on your left. What values can you bring to the day or week What three key strengths do you want to use? What three individual groups, causes, or individuals can you get behind to have a positive impact? What are your three biggest fears or anxieties right now? Remember what I said, name it to tame it. Flip the negative to think of the positive. What commitments can you make to live out a purpose-driven mindset? The second part of this exercise is to complete the statement on your right with these words created from your responses to the questions. I'm going to walk you through a very quick example. Because I value relationships, perseverance, and creativity, I will use my gifts for translating research, making connections, and organizing to positively impact the lives of my children, residents, and the broader public. I accept my anxieties about not being perfect, not being helpful enough, and the fear of the future, and still today make a conscious effort, a purpose-based commitment to teach a yoga class for a community, to get outdoors for a walk with my dog, and check in on my residents on how their week is going. The amount of worry we do is impacted by how much control we have or think we have in a given situation. I love using Stephen Covey's circle of control to help put things in perspective. So think of a target with three circles, a larger larger outer one, a smaller middle circle, and then a small circle right in the center. In the outer circle are things we can't control. Examples of worries we have no control over, which can include whether a vaccine for COVID is effective, world hunger, or just wanting someone to fall in love with us. In the middle circle are things we can influence, but not necessarily control. Examples of worries we can influence might include how likely it is we get or spread COVID-19. It could also include making suggestions for work problems in a team meeting or encouraging people to watch a movie you like. Really just about areas we might be able to influence in some way, and I'm sure you can think of several of your own. The inner circle, that is the circle of control. Examples of worries we have control over, which could be things like how often we go outside, how much water you drink, that we wash our hands to help protect the spread of virus. So, here are three questions you can ask yourself when you notice you're worrying. As you think about your worry, ask, What's triggering the worry? And then follow up with this Is the worry within my circle of control? Ask yourself, What is the benefit of holding on to this worry? This last question can seem strange, but sometimes when we don't want to let go of something, it's because it serves us somehow. Maybe by having the worry, you're too afraid to take a risk or to put yourself kind of out there. So the benefit of holding on to this worry is that you might get to feel and stay safe. So to summarize, when worry creeps in, rather than worry, view things as a challenge to overcome. Check in what is in your circle of control. If it is not, let it go. Ask the three questions when you're worrying, especially to raise your awareness around what is the benefit of holding onto this worry. And then stop telling yourself stories and challenges, bringing your assumptions to light. So as we think to fill our raft with things that can boost our energy, There are several self-care landmarks on this river of life that foster well-being and resilience, which can include things like physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation, and quality time. These attributes have been well-published by Gary Chapman related to workplace appreciation languages and the love languages of appreciation. Consider self-assessing how many of these you put into regular practice and how they are resources you can consider bringing forward. I also want to share some quick tips for sources that can promote well-being practices. One may be to consider opportunities to listen to podcasts, watch a TED Talk, listen to music, of course, reading books and articles, really any and all resources that can fill your tank, foster optimism, mindfulness, and promote well-being practices. These are just a few examples of my favorite podcasts, like Meditative Story, Found My Fitness, The Happiness Lab, Rise with Rachel Hollis, Work-Life Integration with Adam Grant, and finally, NPR's The Hidden Brain. Maybe you'll check some of those out. I have already mentioned the importance of being routinely active. Sitting is more dangerous than smoking, can kill more people than HIV, and is more treacherous than power shooting. The director of the Mayo Clinic, Dr. James Levine, is quoted as saying, we are sitting ourselves to death. One in four Americans sit for more than eight hours a day. You guys, that's me some days for sure. People who spend more than six hours per day sitting have a 70% increase in mortality rate and 147% increase in the risk of cardiovascular disease. We wonder why we're unhappy being sedentary for seven hours a day or more. Definitely linked to stronger risk of depression. Research in the last decade has made it clear that we need to move our bodies, not just for the health of our hearts, muscles, joints but also for your brain health is wealth without physical health it is not possible to generate wealth so our health should never come last what does healthy living look like for you vigorous exercise allows our brains to release brain-derived neurotropic factor or BDNF and this is the hormonal growth factor that causes your brain to grow with neurons particularly in the hippocampus, which is how we consolidate learning from new experiences into long-term memory. This hormone helps speed the maturation process of new neurons into fully functioning brain cells. Did you know that? This helps protect the prefrontal cortex from brain atrophy and cognitive decline. It improves blood flow and oxygenation, and the release of our neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine, which is correlated with our alertness and good endorphin releases. It also regenerates telomeres, which are protective protein sheaths some of you may have heard about, which are at the end of our chromosomes, which help prevent errors in our DNA and has been associated with extending our lifespan. And of course, it reduces overall inflammation. I can sum it up very easy to say an agile body brings an agile mind. You are one workout away from a better mood. When COVID started to make its way to the United States, I was in Guatemala during spring break to advance my teaching credentials in yoga. We were perfectly kept in this bubble on an island remote to the world. This immersion happened to focus on the importance of our chakra energy centers in the body how to detect alignment, and when we could be in dysfunction. So whether it's hypo or hyperactive. We also learned to plan sequences that will promote more chakra alignment. Little did I know what was waiting for me on the U.S. soil and what our new norm would in fact become. As our studio closed, I teach yoga every weekend. I had to step out of my comfort zone, which I spoke to you about just moments ago at the request of my students to put some classes out on YouTube. I got the opportunity to quickly put into practice what I had learned and created my first series. And you guessed it again, the seven chakras. You may be thinking, why is yoga so impactful? Yoga promotes deep breathing in our diaphragm. This activates your vagus nerve, the large branch of nerves that begins at the top of the spinal cord and stimulates activation in the vocal apparatus, the muscles that move our head and eyes, but also our heart, respiration, digestive organs, and gut. Some forms of yoga breath involve contracting our glottis muscles in the throat, which improves our heart's capacity to efficiently regulate blood pressure. There's also evidence that practicing yoga, in course, will reduce our blood pressure. Yoga can increase activity in the anterior cortex and the medial prefrontal cortex, brain areas that are associated with empathy, gratitude, and kindness. In other words, practicing yoga may help us experience more positive emotions in terms of being oriented to ourself and others, both of which can create lasting happiness over time. When I teach a class, I always begin and end with a message of a life application on and off the mat. This also helps clear our monkey minds of negative self talk, distractions, and can promote more mindfulness being in the present moment. A second series has been developed on my channel called Well Being from A to Z. Yes, a 26-class sequence for every letter of the alphabet, teaching us about the important practices that can strengthen well-being and resiliency. My last prescription for you, to no one's surprise, is moving your body every day, even for as little as 10 minutes, can make a huge impact on your mental clarity and your functional fitness. So as we start to come towards a close of this presentation, I want to revisit the dimensions of well-being to help set the stage for you to consider taking some well-being promoting strategies that you've heard about and utilize them for your own self-care practices to positively impact those dimensions that you wish to bring into better balance. So I wish you to carpe diem and seize the opportunity to savor life's joys, commit to your goals, or initially consider them an experiment, as I shared, to just try something new. Take breaks. Doing more activities that truly engage you to help you reset. Find energy-promoting activities. Find relational flow, something that gives you a high challenge and use of your skills. Take time to reflect. And as I've mentioned, find your why, your pandemic purpose. Maybe there's a nonprofit organization you can volunteer and get behind. Use your character strengths. So with this in mind, I hope you will select one of three main themes, sorry, four themes we discussed today that I shared with you to work on this experiment for at least the next 30 days, but more would be wonderful. Think about a WHOOP plan, W-O-O-P. W stands for wish, first O is outcome, the next O is obstacle, and then you have a plan. Keep in mind our internal motivation, our drivers, are greatest if we have a positive mindset, are engaged in the activity, when it draws in our relationships, has meaning, provides achievement opportunities, and impacts your overall vitality. So here's an example of a WHOOP plan around the practice of gratitude. For the next 30 days, I will take 5 to 10 minutes each night to write down three things for which I'm grateful. They can be big or little, I will write down a word or short phrase. And as I write these things down, I will take a moment to be mindful of the things I am writing about. Perhaps you want to focus on social connections, your routines, or your pandemic purpose. So as I bring us towards a close, I want you to think again about your river of life. And seek to have great dreams. Take the opportunity to give of yourself and give to yourself. Find the opportunities to relate to others. Build those social connections. Despite the times we find ourselves. Exercise. Move your body every day. Appreciate the good in life and all the things to be grateful for. Try something new. Just treat it like an experiment. It doesn't have to be necessarily a goal. Think of it as an experiment to try. And then dream. Seek the purpose, find direction. Flex your resiliency muscle. Think of positive emotions of which gratitude is a prime example of that, a positive emotion. Be accepting of yourself and others. And again, finding that meaning in the things that you select to bring better balance in your life. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today for this special edition podcast on COVID-19. Be sure to follow us at ASHP official wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to check out our COVID-19 resource center at ASHP.org backslash COVID-19 for the most up-to-date developments on COVID-19. Take care and thank you for all you do. Thank you for listening to ASHP official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ASHP.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and wanna hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.